0: This is the Big Show with Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 975, 1280 the Zone, and the Zone Sports Network. It's the Big Show, Jake Scott with you,
1: 975. 1280 the Zone. Going to talk to Frank Dolce. Come up here momentarily, of course. Uh, Frank, longtime Utah analyst and former Utah quarterback. <laughs> really? Well, we're 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 chasing. We're trying to get Frank. So we'll talk to Frank in a minute. Uh, we um, back in our Utes of Fifty update. We played uh, Coach Witt's thoughts on on Cameron Rising and what a game from him. Twenty-two of twenty-eight, three hundred six yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Of course, played uh, extremely well, Uh, made all of the throws he needed to make. Um, It it was a much more aggressive game plan, I thought, from, uh, from Utah, and he stepped up to the plate. Like we talked about earlier in the two o'clock hour, give Utah a lot of credit dealing with uh, some tough situation, a very tough situation as a team. What are you going to do with that energy? And uh, they were able to parlay it into a really, really special performance down at the Coliseum and uh, beat up on the Trojans. Uh, In fact. Let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. Joining us now, former Ute quarterback, longtime Ute analyst, our friend Frank Dolce. What's up, Frank?
0: Hey, Jake. Good afternoon. Hope you're doing well.
1: I'm doing uh, doing just fine, man. Uh, back at you. Uh, we know Cameron Rising's doing well. What a performance from him!
0: His star is rising, Ugh.
1: <laughs> if you will. Pardon the pun,
0: as it were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's just uh, you know, we we try to we try to make football a lot more than it is. And it's not like it's not interesting football. I think the game is interesting for lots of different reasons, but isn't it just interesting how when the offensive line seems like they got all of their stuff together, then everything else seemed to come together. So all all of a sudden, I mean, I don't know that coach Ludwig was doing much different prior to this week in terms of play calling, but now you know Jake or, or excuse me uh, cam Rising has a clean pocket yeah. and he has time to throw the ball downfield. His receivers have some time to get separation, and he can go through his go through his progression um, and then you know all of a sudden you're not getting hit behind the line of scrimmage or the quarterback's not running for his life so I mean i I just think this is a Utah football team that struggled offensively. Mostly because they just couldn't get it figured out up front, and then it seemed like they did.
1: And I thought, you know, you mentioned Ve- uh, Vele. I I thought uh, Rising had some players that went out and made made some plays for him. You talk about that separation. I mean, this was, I guess, collectively this was Utah's best game by far. It seemed like everybody was motivated to get out there and do their part.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just it in the grand scheme, it it kind of felt like everything worked out the right way for this one and who knows what's going to happen the rest of the season but but at least for saturday night it felt like you know the stars were aligned for for utah for for all of the crazy circumstances they've had to had to deal with and yeah the young receivers played well i mean i i was barely aware of money parks until he caught a touchdown pass which was just the first pass that he ever caught, you know, and Bailey we've heard about and he, you know, not that he had a breakout game, but, but a little bit. And, uh, and, and then of course the tight ends were as advertised. I think all three of those guys are, are really good. Davian Thomas held on to the football. So, yeah. you know, it just kind of everything worked out. It seemed like everything worked out well for Utah offensively.
1: And then flip over to the defense Frank we had a guy like uh, Mika Tafua who I think we've all been waiting to to be that next uh, you know defensive end in the Sack Lake City saga and he was really good
0: <laughs> the continuing
1: saga Saga. <laughs> Sac you like Lake Lake city?
0: that city under yes.
1: underused word saga I think
0: i I think we should incorporate it into our daily life much more often absolutely well uh, Minka Tafua was fantastic, and uh, and and he he was disruptive at the line of scrimmage. I mean, that's what we talked about. We, we, could Utah be disruptive at the line of scrimmage on the defensive side? And yes, they were, and a little more aggressive, I thought, in the first half, more timely with their aggressive pressure in the second half. But uh, you know, for for a majority of that game, a four-man rush was enough to keep USC at bay and to keep guys like um, London in front of them. I think that was another interesting part of this football game is that USC racked up yardage. Like, they, you know, they had almost 500 yards of offense. But not, there was rarely a big play, and there wasn't you know, an, an enormous game-breaking play. Maybe London's touchdown was one, was one, but for the most part, Utah defensively was able to keep USC, the Trojans, in front of them most of the night.
1: I thought yeah I thought so too. It was, you know, it was such a cliche Ben but don't break but I mean it yeah, it, 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 it was that way a little bit. I even saw somebody tweeting absolutely. uh to, tweeting out after the game uh what a great game Clark Phillips had and it was like well Drake London still caught the ball 16 <laughs> times for 162 <laughs> yards. But I I kind of in a weird way get what they were getting at, right? I mean they well, they didn't get yeah. they didn't get burned. <laughs> it didn't cost him the game. How about that?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's like you know, you hold, you hold Michael Jordan to 40 points and you say, man, that was a terrific defensive effort. You know, that's, that's kind of how it went. I think London was one catch away from tying the single game yep. record. Yep. USC, for for which, USC. Which
1: is saying something.
0: Which is saying something. so, uh, but, but here, you know, what, what Clark Phillips III did is he, he didn't allow London to get behind him. So he was giving a lot of room, and and London made a lot of money underneath. But he was never really able to get behind Phillips. And then on a couple plays, Phillips made a, a critical stop. So uh, it's it, I'm with you. Like you look at the stats and you say, well, whoever, whoever was guarding London, that was a you know. You got to. You're going to replace that guy, but that's not at all the, the case. Yeah. You look at the the way Phillips played that game, and you think that's that's a pretty darn good effort, and that's it. That's a nice execution of the game plan.
1: Keaton Slovis completed 33 of 53. 16 of them went to London. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. That's crazy, and, and he's really
0: good. 33 should have gone to London. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's how it should have gone. That guy is like uh, he's a, he's a gamer. Like he has all of the skills. He's tough. He he's athletic. He's uh, he has a great mental attitude. And I, you know, he was, he was getting pretty chatty during the game. And I, I just kind of like that. I mean, I like the way that he wanted to take control of that football game and, and whatever he could do, to help his team figure out how to win, and, you know, he just was engaged. He was going to go do that.
1: This is uh, a complaint that doesn't really matter about USC anymore because they're going to move on. I want to ask you about the Trojans a little bit. But USC had two running backs that were averaging five yards a carry and only gave them 20 carries total. you are USC. You get the best running backs in the country. Why – I, and then you've got Slovis, who throws it 53 times for 401 yards, and they got whooped. Frank, I, it's, they, USC's got to get back to doing what they do best. I,
0: I just think it's a bad match. Like Graham Harrell, nothing against him, but he needs to. That offense needs to be somewhere else. Like maybe in the Big Twelve. Like that, that's the, that's where you you run that that offense. But but it doesn't. It just doesn't seem to fit. The, the the usc mindset the history the tradition and and you're right like that's a team that should beat up people at the line of scrimmage and average six plus yards per carry and they i think they have the talent to do that but it's just it's not that it's like they're not that that's not what they're focused on doing and and so i i think that You know, one of the interesting things about this coaching change at USC is that it, there's no way that offensive staff survives. Like that's, that's going to maybe the first thing that goes when they, when they get a new coaching staff in. I just don't think that offense is a fit or a match for, for USC. I thought it was interesting. Like I don't know if Malapai was being, you know, disciplined or something. But he didn't play until like the fourth quarter. That's a, that's a guy that like always gives you a thousand percent on any rep. And then we, it's like we didn't see him until the, the fourth quarter. Was he in like a two point conversion or something? It just, he was, he was barely used in that game.
1: The the air raid to me, Frank, and I'll, I'll make a basketball comparison. The air raid is the Princeton offense. You run the air raid in Pullman or in Lubbock or these places <laughs> where it's tough to recruit. You don't run like you don't run yeah. the Princeton offense at Kentucky, where you can get you know that that offense is designed to level the playing field because it's it's a gimmick, right? You're USC. You don't you don't do that. You know you don't run the triple option at USC. You run it the right. Air Force, right?
0: That's exactly right that that is exactly right. Like if you want to if you want to incorporate a little more passing game into USC, great. But let's make sure that we're doing that off of play action because you're just dominating people at the line of scrimmage. I mean, the student body left student body right is still the the formula at USC because they can literally go out and hand pick the guys that they want across the country. So so I couldn't agree with you more. It's a gimmick, it's a little bit of a gimmicky offense in a place where you you just don't need a gimmick offense. No, you certainly don't. Where
1: do where do you think the Trojans go from here, Frank? I mean, I what type of coach, I guess, not necessarily you know picking a specific name that's out there, but what if you were making that hire, what what would you be looking for in a coach?
0: Well, uh Urban Meyer certainly took his name off the table. Yeah.
1: <laughs> in grand fashion
0: i think i mean that was spectacular and the funny thing is that people are saying like oh this is all a plan like he's trying to get out of jacksonville so he can go there's no way that that's a plan to to have that circumstance and then end up at usc they by the way usc was soft on him anyway because of what happened to him at florida and at, at ohio state so anyway but i think it's that I mean, if you're looking for the mold, it's that kind of a, I think it's that kind of a guy. So um, like tough, Midwest, win the game at the line of scrimmage, um, be physically, physically better than everybody else, athletically more talented than everybody else, and then incorporate a scheme that just accentuates those, those talents. So high pressure, high pressure, athletic defense, you know a front seven that could probably play on on Sunday afternoons for the Chicago Bears once upon a time, like that kind of group and then and then the offense that I think you know the, the way that the, the spread option attack that, that urban Meyer ran, I think is a really Interesting thing to incorporate into USC. Everybody thinks the spread option is like a passing attack. You know, you've spread people out and move the quarterback. It's not. It's a, that's a run base attack. When he ran that at Utah, yep. it was 60% run, 40% pass. And that, that kind of an offense that could, that, that looks at the personnel up front and the ability to move people around up front with extremely talented running backs and, and athletic wide receivers, that seems to be the fit. So uh, I don't know. Who, who are the guys out there? Who are the guys out there that run that type of, uh, run that type of scheme?
1: Well, you, I think Luke Fickle is where they'll eventually go because of their athletic director, and I think he fits that mold a little bit. I wonder, maybe go back and, and find a, an old NFL coach like worked with Pete Carroll, and, and we'll transition to talking to, about Arizona State. But, you know, Herm, <laughs> he may be cheating like crazy, but the the message that the program is sending I think is a good one. He's, a, he's an NFL guy. He's got NFL guys on his staff. Go to Arizona State. They're going to show you what it takes to move on to the next level, and that's really what they've sold. You could sell that big time at USC, right? You know, run it like a pro system and, and uh, you recruit as such.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think Fickle is a good is, is will certainly be in the mix. You're not. What, what about James Franklin? Uh, I think that's a guy that might have something to to say about it. Well, he um, wants it.
1: Franklin does, because he put it yeah. out there early in the process. You know, we can tell you exactly where that came from. That came from Franklin. He wants
0: that gig. <laughs> what about the? I mean, there's some talk about. Now I'm, I'm blanking on his name. I didn't want to say it, but I'm blanking on the name of the coordinator at uh, at Oregon. Um, oh, there's some talk about him. Maybe it'll come to me in a second. But but that's an. I think that's an interesting. You're talking uh, about interesting... Joe Moorhead,
1: their offensive guy, Moorhead. or their defensive Moorhead. guy? Moorhead. Offensive guy, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Morehead. Uh, I think that's an interesting, an interesting guy out there. Um, but you, you know, whatever it is, you, you like. Utah went and found Urban Meyer at at Bowling Green, uh, and that that worked out really well for lots of people. Uh, but USC is not going to go find the next coach out of a Bowling Green. I mean, they're going to have to go find a guy to satisfy all of the donors and everybody else that already has, you know, some record of success. Uh, so it's, it's very interesting to see what's going to happen. And I don't, you know, as much as I, I think Dante Williams has a future, I don't think his future right now is with SC.
1: Well, let's uh, look at this utah Arizona State game real quick here, Frank, because, yeah. uh, you know, everybody's bummed Utah lost the rivalry game to BYU and probably didn't feel real good with the loss to San Diego State. But don't look now. This game is still incredibly important, and Utah is still very, very much alive for the Pac-12 championship. So this this one it may look a tad bit different than we thought going into the season, but this is still a huge game.
0: This is an enormous game. It's an enormous game. Uh so based on the way Utah played against USC and, and looking at the rest of Utah's schedule, there are two games that really give me some sort of heartache. And that those games are UCLA, upcoming, um, and Arizona State this week. And the, the reason is, like, I, I like the way that these are two, two teams that have some foundation in running the football, their uh, physical, up front. Uh, but they have something that Utah hasn't controlled extremely well recently, and that's a quarterback that can make a play with his legs, escape pressure, find somebody downfield, or just scramble for, for 10 or 15 yards or whatever it may be. So the mobility of the quarterback is – is a big concern. Like going into USC, I was pretty optimistic because Slovis doesn't present that challenge. Um, And I'm not sure outside of the the two guys at UCLA and, and Arizona state, Utah's really going to face that, that guy, maybe Oregon, but I don't think that, that the quarterback play at Oregon is very good. So, so this is the one of the two games that really gives me heartache for the rest of Utah's schedule, and it starts with the, the quarterback that's dynamic.
1: Well, good thing the game's in the middle of the night, so that's nice.
0: <laughs> that's that's always really nice, isn't it? When, am I am when I the only one that, that complains about well, that? After
1: am I the only one who complains about that, Frank? Dude, when people hear you know yeah. me complaining about late start times, they just say you know, hey. This is the world we live in. Or people—is that an issue with people? Because eight o'clock, man, that's ridiculous.
0: No, you're you are uh, you are aligned with I would say ninety eight percent of the Utah fan base, and maybe uh, maybe a higher percentage of the football fan base. Well, you know, it is kind of nice, I guess, if you're just kind of a football fan. To have the ability to watch games from ten o'clock in the morning through all hours of the evening, but if you're a Utah fan, that's just that's that's rough. And if you're if you're a guy that that uh, is doing like pregame and postgame, I think you know Hans and I will manage that this weekend. But you're talking about taking phone calls at one o'clock, yeah. two o'clock in the morning, and there are fans and there are fans were calling. Like it's, it's so it's crazy. I I don't I I don't know that I like it that much. It is a little bit of the world that we live in, but can't we just figure out how to spread those games earlier on a Saturday afternoon?
1: You see, that's the thing is I just don't see them fixing it because the television window and TV rules all yeah. and on and on and right. on, they got to have something to put on at that time. And, yeah. you know, they're not going to put uh, the, the Miami Hurricanes on, you know. it's, it's So we're, we're kind of stuck with it. So I feel like I probably should stop complaining about it because it's not going to change.
0: It Well, it, it's unlikely to change, but I think you have a legitimate complaint, and I share the complaint.
1: So do you think uh, – I mean, who would you pick in this game, Frank? Can you pick the Utes? I mean, you, Arizona State is good. They are, they are good, and they do some things that Utah struggles with, as you point out. What do you think happens?
0: Yeah, I, well, Utah at home, uh, coming off an emotional kind of couple weeks, and I, I think they're going to have to, you know, I think it's a tough, it's a tough ask for Utah. I'm going to pick Utah in this game um, and and for Utah to get a win, it's going to have you know J- Daniels is going to have to be off his game, Utah's going to have to force him off the spot, keep contain, force him into making throws that he doesn't want to make, and you know all of those games probably probably will have to create a couple turnovers um, so I just you know i I just feel like this is a tough one this is. This is a tough game for Utah. I like that it's at home. Uh, I like that the weather is probably going to be a little bit dicey. I think those, those things favor Utah. So, yes, I'm picking Utah in this one, but why? Well, I think it's going to be a, a tough, tough football game on Saturday night.
1: Well, Frank, thank you very much for jumping on with us, as always. We, we really appreciate it.
0: Of course, absolutely. My pleasure. It's great to talk to you. Thanks, Jake.
1: Thank you, Frank. That's our friend Frank Dolce, former Ute quarterback, longtime Ute analyst, jumping on with us, giving uh, his thoughts on, on uh, the USC game. Of course, looking forward to Arizona State as well. Coming up next, we're going to let you hear from Boyan Bogdanovich and his uh, shoot around comments today. Don't forget, Tanner Mangum joins the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. It is the big show, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone.
0: This is DJ and PK.
1: Joined in studio now by Riley Jensen, football insider, former Aggie quarterback. I know how it works here, PK. You just go with whatever I say. You're kind of like the adversary. You don't really push against people. You just give them a nudge really, really far in the direction they're already going. So if I say you hate Utah State, you're like, oh, yeah, I can't stand those guys. (laughs) You're just like the adversary. Beelzebub in studio. DJ and Lucifer doesn't have the same ring. Sounds like a dangerous show, though. DJ and Lucifer. (laughs) Yeah, doesn't have the same ring as DJ and PK. It actually Actually doesn't change the show. Show it
0: all, it feels exactly the same right? I'm a devil, what can I tell you? <laughs> Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 975-1280 the Zone and the Zone Sports Network.